on the very left, our very considerate Pastor Mike Ilunga. What I love about Mike is that he is, he's like a student of marriage. I mean, any marriage course that there is, marriage books, he's always reading them. He's always asking questions. Him and his wife are doing the, the hard work of making sure that they produce a fantastic marriage. And I, from what I can tell, they're doing it. So well done. Well done. Then we have Kun Pretorius. Him and his wife head up our children's church. You know what? They just have one of the funnest marriages I know. I mean, whenever you meet them, they're always like laughing about something they got up to. They're always planning something fantastic for the future. So, so I just feel like if you want a fun marriage, you should hang around them a little bit. Of course, all of us have fun marriages, but they, they take the cake. <laughs> um, in the middle here, we have Bernard Swanetpool. He is new to you, so I'm going to spend a little bit more time on him. But um, <laughs> he's not new to his wife, which is really great. But I actually, well, Bernard Swanepoel um, is one of the leading businessmen in the, in the mining industry in South Africa. Perhaps you've heard his name around, perhaps you haven't, it doesn't really matter, because we, we love the fact that he's really good at business, but more than that, we love the fact that he's such a great follower of Jesus, and he's such a fantastic dad and husband. So the reason we have him here is that, I, well, I was having, uh, it's not the reason, but it's, it illustrates the reason. I was having coffee with his wife, was it yesterday? Two days ago, two days ago. And um, she told me something about the, that had happened in their marriage. And I said, oh, my word, Bruno's like the perfect husband. And she said, yes, he is. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did I say it right? Good. <laughs> Good. And then um, you will remember Martin from, from last week. He was saying such profound things. We thought, oh, my word, we just have to have him up again. We have no idea what he's going to say, but we're sure it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Um, two things I want. <laughs> yeah, you, you dressed up smart, Martin. Martin's the only single one of our panel. So he's reason to dress smart. I just did want to highlight two things to you. Bernard has a wife who is fantastic. Her name is Tracy, and she um, also is working in the mining industry. The, the, the two of them have set aside or set their hearts to transformation of the mining industry, which I just think is such a profound, profound thing. And I, I just love hearing the stories of all the things they've done and are doing in that industry. But she has written a book called The Leadership Riptide and How to Escape. It's a really, really great book. I haven't read the whole thing, but I've read parts of it, and I was just blown away. So tomorrow is my day off. I'm going to curl up on a nice couch and finish it. But what I do want to um, recommend to you, if you are involved in leadership in any way, she has some books with her. You could, Trace, do you mind standing up? Am I going to embarrass you? You look fantastic, so it'll be fine. <laughs> this is Tracy. So if you can come and find her after the service and you can purchase a book from her if you would want to, I would really, really recommend this book. It's gotten rave reviews wherever it's gone. And um, yeah, if you can buy it in Kum Books if you can't get it from her because I know she's, sorry, exclusive books, exclusive books. Because it's not technically a Christian book, but it is a Christian book. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I want to just reiterate, Martin, 
um, has written a book called Joseph Generation. I have read that book. And really, I mean, I just zipped through it in a couple of hours because I was so enthralled. I think the principles that he brings out in it, the, the vision of the kingdom, the vision of who we are in God is just absolutely, absolutely profound. So if after the service you are thinking, gosh, there's someone I just need to get that book for, you just come speak to Martin and he will set you up. Amen. <laughs> Great. So let's, let's find out what men actually want. Church, are you good with that? Now take a deep breath, men. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. I, I wanted to start off with the scripture that I was reading a little while back. And it just, I don't know, ladies, how do you feel about men around you? I just, when, when they're men in the environment, I, I feel safe. I feel there's, there's a sense of forward motion that really enthralls me. And I, I find God's plan of how he he gifted men in a certain way and gifted women in a certain way is so perfect. And if we can just tap into that, that perfect order that he established, I feel like we're going to live in this nation and in our families superb lives. Lives that are just full and rich and whole and satisfying. So this scripture in Isaiah 32 says this, See, a king will reign in righteousness, talking about a time when Jesus would be in charge. And rulers will rule with justice. Each man will be a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm like streams of water in the desert and the shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. And as we begin, I just want to commend all the men in this hall. I feel like your desire to be godly has been noted. Your desire to be the kind of men that Jesus wants you to be, to model your lives after biblical principles has been noted and we delight in it. Um, and then the next thing I wanted to just leave you with, it's a quote from a man called George Bernard Shaw, who wasn't officially a Christian. He called himself later in his life a follower of Jesus, but he, he spurned all formal religion, probably because formal religion in his day was not very representative of Jesus. But nonetheless, he said this, a happy family, uh, sorry, a happy family is but an earlier heaven. And there's something about when a family is in order, when things are right, that there's a, a base from which you can launch into life that makes you secure. It, it builds your self-esteem. It creates a platform for you to take risks, to be adventurous, to try out new things. And in this church, we really do. We want to build a platform in our families from which our children and our children's children can launch out and do great things. They can be the world changers they are meant to be. They don't have to spend all that mental energy on kind of working out the tensions of their family, but that's settled so that they can, they can use their mental e energy to change the world. Amen. So this is one of the reasons we emphasize family so much is that we, we feel like it just creates such an incredible incredibly great platform. One of the things that helps family work well is that when men understand women and when women understand men. We had that really great talk of women sharing what they wanted, and I felt like we did a good job of articulating that. How do you feel, men? Do you understand us now? Do you get us? There will be a quiz right afterwards. But what I feel is just as important is that as women, we understand the heart of men. 
and we understand why they do the things they do, because sometimes it's confusing. <laughs> and we understand how, how we can please them. You know, in my heart, I just my greatest joy is when I, I look into Andrew's face and I see pleasure on his face. It just really, it means a lot to me. And sometimes I don't know how to please him because I don't really understand what makes him tick. I'm getting better at it. But I think what this will do is it will help us understand how men tick and how we can work better with them in creating happy, wholesome, and secure families. Amen. So, men, men, are you ready? I gave you a little bit of time to compose yourselves. You're all good. You notice our decorations are rugby balls and rugby shirts today and various other sports paraphernalia. We understand the way to a man's heart. Okay, so, um, first of all, I'm, I'm going to start with you, Mike, over on the side there. Um, the first question to you is, what do you understand by man, be, man being the head of the home? Okay, that's a good one. Um. <laughs> should, I, should I start with someone else, no, no, Mike? No, 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 no. <laughs> I think for me that means leadership. Um, I was playing this in my mind yesterday because I was anticipating this question. I think when you read that verse in Ephesians 5 from verse 21, it actually says the man is the head of the, the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And so to deny men that position is almost to deny Christ his position over the church. But also, here's the thing. Jesus is Lord regardless. But when we give him the space to be Lord in our lives, then we allow him to exercise the fullness of his authority in our lives. So I think men are, regardless of whether women accept it or not, they have been established as such by God. But when you guys give us space in your lives and invite us to be that in your life, then we are able to fully exercise our authority and our responsibility. But I think also it's very critical for men because the comparison is that Christ is head of the church. Now, in order for us to be able to lead well, we have to be committed pursuers of Jesus. Uh, in order for us to be able to do the same as he does for the church with our wives. So that's my take. But I think it's really a position of leadership. And... and <laughs> The men are happy. Women, are you happy? <laughs> I'm going to ask all of you this question because I think it's foundational to where we're going. Quinn, how would you answer that? Tips. <laughs> Come on, brother. Do you know, as Mike said, when I was pondering the question there yesterday, and um, when, when Mike uses the word leadership within that context of my marriage, it's a difficult thing for me. Um, the reason I say it difficult is because Jean and I have such a great partnership. And um, when, when I think about the word submission and I think about um, that beautiful picture of, a, of two lieutenants, same rank, same authority, and having the ability to have the same vision, the same heart for the same war, and, and wanting the same end goal, and, but for one of them to stand up and say, listen, we need to make a decision. Um, that picture for me has been something that was never taught to me by my father, but that I've picked up in church. As daddy's led me, I felt the ability to lead my wife in a way that we, as a family unit, commit to each other. We share the same value, the same end goal. So that end goal of leadership for me is, is a committed family 
Matt knowing what his responsibilities, Laura knowing what his responsibilities for me, but for me to pioneer that. And when I was thinking back on when I got saved, and a very big part of that was because of Gina, and especially Gina's mom, I have a responsibility now to, I've now taken that mantle up. It's my, my responsibility to make sure that I enforce what daddy does for me. Great, so great. Bernard. It gets harder and harder as you go down the line, yeah, doesn't it? Because everything's said. I'm going to agree. Okay. Are you going? Are you just going to agree? I agree. <laughs> also, I agree. Okay. Well, then next time I'm starting this side. Is that good? You know, uh, I, I think um, to lead your family is clearly a godly instruction to us as men. And I think that takes us right into the topic of leadership and the biblical model of leadership, to lead like Jesus led, to lead like God leads his church, the way he wants us to lead from within our families. Um, anybody who interacts with Trace and I will know that we co-lead our family. And we do. And that is based on deep respect. And a leader without respect is not a leader. He can be appointed, he can be, you know, protected by the NEC or whatever other political... <laughs> but if, if, you, if, you aren't, if you aren't a respected... If you aren't respected in that position, then you are going to be suboptimal. And so for us as men, our responsibility is to create the space in which our wives, our partners, our wives respect us. In return, we will obviously respect them. So for me, it's leadership, it's co-leadership, it's leading in whatever position you are in the world from without your family. Because again, if your leadership outside clashes with your family responsibilities, then you need to pause, stop, and say, I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. First responsibility is to be the leader of my family. And after that can come business or country or other things, but family has to be first. And I think in that space, there's never an issue of submission. There is no submission required when there's respect. It's not submission. It's co. It's it's following. It's you know. It's um, anyway. So. Okay. So for me, uh, it has to do with vision bearing. Um, so. Because the head, obviously the eyes are in the head. So the person who... <laughs> so it means that the head is, is the one who's meant to be a vision bearer. Just to answer that, you know, it's quite interesting that in Genesis chapter 1, uh, God created man in his image and, uh, you know, he gave them authority and dominion. And oftentimes we look at that and say, you know, God gave dominion to man, as in male, but God gave dominion to them. So... In other words, the woman as well is also a carrier of dominion and authority. So that's actually why there's actually been a structure of governance is that there's someone who submits and there's also someone who's in authority. Not necessarily because one is lesser in power, but just for purposes of order. But another aspect that I would like to touch on quickly is just, you know, Proverbs 31 is often quoted and it's taught to women. But when you look at it, it was actually written to a man, a virtuous woman who can find. So I think for me, you know... Uh, a leader in the, in the sense of a man is a person who can create a, you know, an environment for those whom he leads to flourish. Come on. Like I said, he is single, ladies. <laughs> can we put his number up on the screen? 
No, we wouldn't, we wouldn't do that to him. Um, but Martin, I'm going to start this one with you. Um, what, so, so the Bible talks about the man being ahead of the home, but it also talks about him loving his wife as Christ loves the church. How, how would you, or what practical aspects would you put to that? What does that look like in practice? I think for me, I, I mean, I'm not married yet, but I've seen it from my own parents. You know, they've been such a great advertisement of, you know, the whole institution. But from what I've seen is that my father prefers himself or prefers my mother above himself. So I would say that, you know, it's, it's really an issue of, you know, preferring others above yourself. Bernard, anything to add to that? I can have a half an hour now. <laughs> I am unashamedly my wife's biggest fan. And that's only 13 years. But in 13 years, because love is something you work at, I love her a lot more today than what I loved her when I fell in love with her. When I fell in love with her, I could not get enough of her. In all possible ways, I know. But I could not get enough of her time. I could not get enough of her voice. I could not get enough of her advice, her be with her. And that's stuff you can work on. You should not leave that to chance. You should continue to do those things. We spend time together. We are in each other's diaries. We also happen to work together, which everybody says is a disaster, but it's not. Despite that, we still have date nights. Thanks to Zach's Josie lights, it's now date afternoon. <laughs> but we need to... We need to Say, what constitute love? Now, love and respect is sort of flip sides of a coin. But when you love somebody, you want more of them. You want to listen to them. When you listen to somebody, they fall in love with you. It's as simple as that. You know? So listen to your wife. <laughs> Profound, huh? Quinn, how about you? When... Um when I see the ultimate um, sort of price that Christ paid for us, um, the word sacrifice comes up for me. And uh, a sacrifice in the sense that um, I would do anything for her and my kids. And really, and uh, to give, and uh, this is what I want to do today. I want to really give practical examples. I'm not going to use cycling because it's a bad example. But I'll give you an example. Friday, um, this past Friday, a bunch of guys at work, they play action cricket on a Friday night. And that Friday night is an important night for our family. So guys are, come on, you know, you're a good player. You know, thank you, guys. But, you know, that's my night. You know, I, I don't sacrifice that evening. That is my family time. And I'll go out at 5 o'clock on a Saturday morning for a ride so I can be home a decent time. So for me, that love is an absolute sacrifice. Everything, whether it be in business, whether it be in my recreational life, whether it be in the ministry, I have to put my wife first and my family first as, as, as Christ would for, as a sacrifice. So great, so great. Mike. Again, for me, um, in order for us to know how Christ loves the church, we've got to know him wow. and, and we've got to walk with him in order for us to know how he loves the church. And I think in the absence of that, we are ignorant of how he loves the church. And I think... For me, it's that time always, I know that the one that motivates me to love my wife is Christ. And I've actually noticed this, that the less time I spend with Jesus, the more irritable I become. And I snap at every other question. I feel like I'm being interrogated. Uh, <laughs> 
but but when I feel like I, I've spent enough time with the Lord and I've been with Him, I know that my heart is in the right place. I feel more secure that if she asks me a question, I, I'm not feeling like I'm being, you know, questioned or interrogated. I just like this is a genuine question. So, yeah. I think for me, it is to know the one that motivates us to love our wives. So great, so great. Jesus is always the answer. Well done. Um, something, as I was doing some research for today, I, I've, I discovered something that I really didn't know, that um, men love having fun with their wives. They want a companion to go and do fun stuff with. And so I, I made a commitment to Andrew that I was going to be a more fun wife. He's delighted. <laughs> He's absolutely delighted. So then I suggested some fun things like bungee jumping, <laughs> skydiving, and he was, his, face went, his face went white and he said, you were fine when you were unfun. <laughs> But anyway, I, I, want to, I want to ask you men, um, if, you could, if you could just let us know, just let us into a little bit of your private world, what are, what are some of the really fun memories you have with your wives? And what is a fun memory that you would like to do with your wife? What's a fun memory you'd like to have in the future? <laughs> so maybe, maybe you could just give one or two things that, that really you counted as as a fun, and you felt you felt they caused you to feel more connected to your wife, because I think as wives we would love to know those things because we want to feel connected, and knowing knowing what gives our husbands that feeling would be very helpful. Awesome. Um, the I was watching a soccer game yesterday, and uh, and <laughs> <laughs> my wife made a comment um, on. Um, I think a tackle or something happened in the game. I had no idea that she knows anything about soccer. <laughs> but I think that was, and I said, what? Do you know this? She said, yeah, of course I do. I grew up with brothers. I know this. I think for me, what is so fun is knowing that she doesn't enjoy this at all. But just for my sake, she invites herself in my space and just enjoy what I enjoy. You know, for example, it's soccer on Saturdays, for example, or rugby or whatever sports that I'm watching, that she comes and just watches that with me and enjoys it with me. You know, I think for me, that is, that is enjoyable. How about you, Quinn? S similar to Mike, um, we've, um, as a family, grown up um, in, in a sort of sporting environment. Um, Gina was a fantastic hockey player, and I was, I've done every sport there is on the planet. And uh, really to have a supportive wife in what I've done throughout the years has just been amazing. Um, when, when I tell people what we did for our honeymoon, they're like, really? We, went, we flew to France, um, into Paris, and then into Nice, and hired a car and drove 1,000 kilometers watching the Tour de France. I mean, this is... I mean, and this wasn't, this wasn't entirely my idea. So, and, and again, for, for Gina to share that sort of... But, the flip side to it was that we, um, besides the cycling, we had an incredible time. We saw the most beautiful country in the world, I think, to be debated. But, and, but in that, we shared experiences that I could n possibly never relive again. And that was just because she has, she's put herself in a space where she could be vulnerable and be supportive um, in something that she's not necessarily interested in. But that means the world to me. So great, and you did do romantic meals and went well, well, and looked at absolutely. Sites. So the great. deal was okay. We'll <laughs> the the deal was we'll drive a thousand kilometers, watch a bunch of guys in lycra, but when we get to Paris, I'll have dinner at altitude ninety five on the Eiffel Tower, and we did that. So, yeah. 
How about you, Bernard? I think uh, Kun's point is profound because I think we have to be very careful to think all men are similar, you know, and we want sex and food or, you know, because those are such dangerous recipes. And I think in a love relationship, the trick is to get to really know the person. Because if Tracy was suggesting we drive a thousand kilometers to watch men in Lycra, we would have had an incident. <laughs> to me, that sounds like hell and torture, and I could not do that. Um, and yet the point of his amazing wife going through that and sacrificing, <laughs> she's a special woman. Um, but I think... And this is so important for me. We get this, the four steps to make men happy or the five things to yeah. do for women. There's actually only one, and that is to know the person. Because she clearly knows him. Tracy knows me. She would never do this to me. <laughs> Babes, can I get a public promise? Never, ever. Don't. Please not. Um, and so when, but our fun is always together. And it's when your fun is not together that you are beginning to look for trouble. Yeah, so idea. fun must be together. She runs with me, which I don't think she runs. We jog. She jogs with me, which I had some mornings doubt whether she thinks it's fun. But when we jog and we have conversations that are the deepest conversations I ever have in my life, then I know it's godly, it's fun, it's amazing. And so if we know each other, if we continue to study each other, like we should study Jesus so that we can know him better. We must study each other so we can know each other better. And then that will, that's where the fun will be, in this case, cycling. <laughs> Martin, looking forward, what do you think the most fun thing could be that you could do with your wife? I think first things first, she has to love Arsenal, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, if you can love us now, Barcelona, Orlando Pirates, you know, we want a good... <laughs> yeah, but I mean, another thing is that, I mean, I absolutely love doing ministry. So, if I can get to do ministry with her, that would be absolutely awesome. So great, so great. I'll let you into a little secret. Andrew and I love doing up houses. It's like a really wild thing. So, one of them, our most fun, fun thing is like painting a room together or like designing a a new way to put the furniture or something like that. So that's something that really um, we, some of our fondest memories are doing things. I know that you looking at me like wild, so like why would you do that? But nonetheless, I, I so love that point, just love that point that it's when you, when you know one another, you find those things that really mean something to each other. Awesome. The next question I want to ask you is that for, for women – Communication is really, really important. And what would be helpful for us is to understand from you men what kind of environments make it easiest for you to communicate, to share your hearts, to be real about what's going on in your lives, etc. Anyone who wants to start? Well, I think Gina publicly shared that she's not the communicator a couple of weeks ago, and everyone's like... <laughs> so... For me, you know, I'm a, I want to know. I want to know what's going on. I want to know where we are as a family. So often, we're we, we having to create that space. So I don't know what the ideal space is. I don't know what that environment would look like. For me, it is the important thing is for us to create that environment. And creating it means putting it out there and almost being as 
as adamant to say that, look, we're going to talk about this right now. We need to discuss this. We need to get into this space. So I'm not necessarily going to say, let's wait for date night or we can chat about it. Um, for me, I want to address it right now because I always feel that in communication and when there's we, – we, we do disagree at times. So when, when there's disagreement, let's sort it out now because it just becomes a big thing for me. And, and you know, it plays heavily on me. But you know, not so much because you can carry on. You know, I don't mind. I don't, I'll communicate next week, you know. So for me, it's the, the, the communications about I, I've got to and, – and again, I've got to – I understand her and I appreciate her, her character. And for me, it's to take the lead to create that environment. Mike, you were about to pick up your mic as I see that question, so I know you've got something. Well, for me, timing is important. And um, so in creating that space, knowing what time to discuss things. Uh, we have a discipline, my wife and I now. Uh, Fridays are date nights, and on Fridays we don't talk about things that would cause us to have an incident. Uh, we <laughs> <laughs> so we, we try to... Uh, not ignore the things that we may be facing, but just to make it fun for each other. Because, you know, in the beginning of our marriage, we would be out and, you know, at a fancy place and we're not talking to each other. We are busy eating and the moment we are done, give us the bill, off we go. But now we try and we, we've learned to make it fun and not discuss hard things. But timing, um, and I think... I, I, when I'm watching a game, especially when I'm watching a game, and I, we are different, like Bernard said, I, I have to literally close or switch off the TV for me to be able, well, even if I switch off the TV, I'm still in my mind thinking, okay, have they scored, have they not? So, I would say for me, avoid and, and learn again, going back to Bernard's point, learn because for me, I can't engage you deeply if I'm watching a game. Because my mind is just in the game. Uh, but also, when we have the time to discuss this, to make it more conversational rather than interrogative. Because if I feel like now I'm, I have this... See, my wife is an attorney. Sometimes she can be <laughs> so amazing and, and, and then, you know, almost interrogating me. And, and that just would frustrate me so much. <laughs> but, but I enjoy it when it becomes conversational, like we are talking. Yes, we can engage in difficult conversations, but, but we are discussing and, and having a conversation rather than, you know, I feel like you are writing things down and I have to tell you everything I did wrong or right. So for me, that's the environment. Great. I'm beginning to think all women are deep down attorneys and they <laughs> interrogate. <laughs> We go to special woman attorney school. My mother used to interrogate me to the point where I admitted to things I haven't even done. But I, I, am, I, I am a talker. I talk without thinking. I don't know what I think until I've said it. So, um, and, and Tracy's biggest need she's ever expressed is Please don't be silent. So God worked well with us. I talk. She doesn't want somebody to be silent. Um, I think she has regretted that um, sometimes. But uh, I, I, really, I really think, uh, again, and I'm sorry to sort of come back to the same points, but as I'm, as I'm getting older, I do 
I do think that men talk, and the nonsense that men don't talk, men don't talk at home. That's what we must change. We must make home the place where men want to talk and do talk. Show me a quiet guy at work. Show me a quiet guy around the braai with a beer in the hand when we discuss the match. That's nonsense. And in this space of not generalizing, if we were to generalize, men talk a lot. And they, they're comfortable talking. And they're comfortable talking in spaces which makes them, you know, um, feel comfortable. And again, for me, it's really, if, if home is the place where you are respected, where you can be vulnerable, where there's no shame, that's the place you're going to talk. It, it really is. And I'm not imposing the responsibility on women now. I'm not doing one of those, it's, if only you women were different, us men would be different. <laughs> I fully accept that we as men must make home and the family and our relationship with our loved ones such that that is our safe space. Then we'll talk. Then we'll say anything. Then we'll say shame and we'll be vulnerable and that will make us authentic. And when we're authentic, we'll be respected. And it's a, what's the opposite of a vicious circle? It's a, it's a positive. A positive affirmation. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I think that deserves a hand. Martin, anything to add to that? I don't particularly have a context, so I'm good. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, great. Um, I, I do want to just continue along the theme because, Bernard, I think you, you highlighted something really great. Um, is I would love to know from the married men, and then I'm going to come to you, Martin. I have some really particular, particularly probing questions for you, so just hang on there. Um, uh, for the married men, what disciplines do you put in place in your own life to make sure that communication happens in your homes? I might give you, because this wasn't originally on the brief, so it's a new question, but are you ready? Yeah. Sure. Great, go for, go for it. Um, I think openness and, and not being defensive all the time. And I've noticed that every time I'm defensive, I'm shutting my wife down. So I'm learning to be less defensive and just allow her to initiate a conversation. I think that's one of the disciplines that, um, that we are putting in place, is just being less defensive and just allowing her to, to bring that. In the, well, even now, in the beginning of our marriage, it was more, but now it's becoming less and less. I, when I approach my wife for us to discuss something, I'm looking for something that is logical, something that is tangible with you know, evidence. You can point at that. It's like, give me, okay, why do you think this is so or should be so? And I think... Um, I used to think, you know, this was the way and hers was not the way. But I think I'm learning to understand that we are approaching the same truth in different, uh, through different angles. And I need to allow her angle to come through in the conversation. Uh, although I'm looking for this, but she brings it like, this is how this makes me feel. And the moment we address that this, this is how this makes me feel, once, once she starts to feel right, then we can engage at least with logic or this or that. So just learning these dynamics, for me, um, has been very, very helpful. So those are some of the things that we are putting in place Wonderful. to improve our communication. Yeah, I'll give you a simple example around structure in our family. I feel that uh, structure in our family, and again, as Bernard said, it's not necessarily everyone's way, but this is the Pretorius way, and it works for us, is that when we have structure in our family, communication is quite easy. I, and, and the example I use is our family calendar. If the family calendar is not up to date, whew, it could cause problems. 
you know, we, we are a busy family. We have things on all the time. And if our family calendar isn't structured sufficiently, it could create, it could create a space where things go awry. So we, we, we enjoy the structure around communication. Yeah, I'm uh, married to a structured perfectionist. Um, <coughs> in a book, she refers to herself as a recovering perfectionist, but I haven't seen much of that. Um, so, uh, and I am her biggest fan. Um, but, uh, but again, I do think structure and routine, uh, you know, is such a part, it so competes with our family life that if we ignore it, we're going to lose the battle. So if you don't put time aside, if you don't make time, if you don't align the calendars, then it's just what gives us always family time. And if we think how it impacts on our, on our wives, it impacts often even worse on our children. And so that's why those, those disciplines are, I think, at a generic level, extremely, extremely useful. Trace and I have done marriage courses together, but the most profound thing we've done together, I think, was a course on how to listen. Uh, it's always the women who say, oh, nice. Um, and it is, it is really nice. Can, can you give us that name of that course so we uh, can, I can, indeed. We can get yeah. our husbands there? Um, yeah. And we did it in a business context because then it's always easy. In the business context, anything goes. In our private lives, we get a bit, ooh, that's a bit esoteric. Um, I think it's by Nancy Klein, the book originally, and it's called uh, Time to Think. And Time to Think is a listening course, and that makes you think, or it should make you think. And so often, when we really get to a point where one of us have got a real need to think aloud with the other one, to be listened to, then we say, I would really like us to have a, a, a listening session. And a listening session, the only thing I'm allowed to introduce in that is, so what do you want to think about, and what are your thoughts so far? And then I have to shut up. <laughs> it's really, I mean, this is the gimmicky things, but if you make it work, and you make it work at a way for the two of you, then it's a life skill that, that just, you know, refresh the relationship continuously. So great, so great, so practical and helpful. Thank you. Martin, this question is only going to go to you. Um. When you are thinking about a pr prospective spouse, what kind of attributes do you look for in her? I won't really go too, too much into preferences. Is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> like tall, short. Yeah. yeah you, know, you can leave those out. Yeah. What, what character traits do you look for? Let me put it that way. I think for me, uh, obviously, the, the aspect of you know, a person having a personal and practical relationship with Christ is very important. And then from that point onwards, I think, you know, I always, I mean, f for me, one of the things that I really do is just to engage someone and also just to find out how, what, what premium do they place on, on family, you know? For me, if someone loves family, that, that's, that's very important. And also, obviously, someone who's very, gonna, let me say, intelligent and, uh, yeah, who's, who's, who, who wants to, to, to build a family. So great. Can I add yes, something? Yes, you to may. That? Martin, uh, you mentioned earlier on the Proverbs 31 woman. And there's a profound scripture in Proverbs 31, verse 30, that says, Charm is deceitful, uh, beauty is fading, but a woman who fears God, she will be praised. And I think um, this is so true that um, the fear of God is 
I'm not married now, but is what I was looking for. Uh, because I know that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, the fear of God is everything. And so if there's someone who fears God, at least I have the surety that, you know, whatever happens, they fear God and God is going to lead them. So great, Mark. Thank you. So, um, Kun and Bernard, do you have anything to add to that? Because I did say it was just for Martin, but I see that, that our married men have good things to add to this. Do you have anything? Yeah. As Mark was saying now, and I, I alluded to it a little earlier, um, Gina, was, Gina still is the most beautiful woman in the, on the planet. But in saying it, though, when we met each other, there really was, you know, often in, in churchy circles we talk about, oh, you know, when that person walks into the room and, you know, there's something about, there was something about Gina. And it wasn't necessarily her long hair. and it was, There was something about her. And that, and, you know, as the years went on, I really discovered that that was, you know, that she just loved God and, and, and lived her life for him. And that attracted me so much. And re, I didn't realize it much later, you know, after we had, or much later in our relationship. But again, that was such an important thing for me, you know. Bernard? Um, I do think uh, it... To me, it's almost acceptance. I mean, you know, I never played rugby. I'm not a bodybuilder. I'm not a, I mean, you know, and, 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 and so many things. And yet, you want somebody who really accepts you. Um, and that goes to, uh, you know, obviously, you know, when, when, when you m meet the right partner, you fall in love and you accept her. But that acceptance has to be so deep that it can withstand 50 years of change. Because don't we want somebody who keeps on growing? But grow means she changes and you need to continue to love her. You can't say, ooh, but when I met you at 18, you were Miss South Africa or whatever. I mean, you need to love him or her. And so acceptance and somebody who can accept you for who you really are, um, to me, is the key ingredient. Because then we'll not waste our lives trying to change each other. We have no right to change anybody else. I have one last question that I'm going to ask. Um, for those of you who have children here, it is going to be a little bit more of a PG question. So if anybody wants to take their, their children out, this would be the right time to do that. Zach, I think you'll handle it. You'll handle it. How, first of all, how old are you, Zach? Okay, I'll ask the question, you decide. So, so the question goes like this, men. How important is sexual intimacy for you in um, a healthy relationship with your, your wife? Let me answer first, then Zach can uh, be comfortable. <laughs> and this is not because I'm 55 years old. Intimacy, I will die if I don't have intimacy. And intimacy is more than just sex. It's intimacy that men need a lot more of. And then we'll have a balanced conversation about sex. And to be intimate, we need to be mature. We need to work on ourselves. We need to understand ourselves. We need to be vulnerable. We need to be all those things that society tells us not to be. That's the intimacy I think will, will fix the world. If men can really be intimate. So you're describing authentic, vulnerable, close, connected, those kind of words. There must be this person which is like part of your body, part of your soul. 
Family can be that, you know, the, the, the closest family. I mean, I have a relationship with Zach which makes me emotional when I think about it. That's part of the intimacy I need. And that's why I say, and then sex is an easy conversation. Yes, okay. that's quite nice. Thank you. It fits in. <laughs> Thank you, Bernard. I just want to say that Zach, is, his son is sitting in the second row with his fingers in his ears. You know, there's some things you just don't want to know about your parents. You understand that? <laughs> Kun. Yeah. Look, Gina is not here like Bianca, so she was going to nod or... But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, look, I mean, really just a, a incredibly important pillar in our relationship. And uh, again, just to take it a step further, we've... Um, Gina alluded to this as well, so we've spoken about this, you know, talking about life stages and where we are and her having had kids at, at a point. And again, it, it's important for us as men um, to engage with our wives on this topic. You know, it's, it's again, as Bernard says, it, it, can't be, it can't be something that we don't go to. You know, we don't go there. So like Bernard says, it's, it doesn't trump everything. But again, it has to be, it has to be done in the same context as everything else. So not like deciding on a meal, but more like, you know, guys, this is important. This is where we're going with this. This is, this is where we are right now. And why isn't it where it's, where it's supposed to be? You know, so what is – and that opens up a, 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 an opportunity for us to just get back down to where we're supposed to be, um, you know, as, as a unit and where we can both feel comfortable. And, uh, and um, I think the important thing for me is, is that Gina and I have always uh, had a very open sort of um, environment around us, which is, I mean, very helpful for um, a, a, a sort of structured family again. Wonderful. Mike. Um, Mike's just about to take out his notes. I can see that. He was just... I'm going to say something. I, I hope it sounds good. Um, <laughs> we have a special button that your seat will fall down into the floor if you say anything wrong, Mike. So. I think this is for Shao and Sam Mokorosi. So the, um, the, the distinction between, in my view, um, intimacy that Bernard just mentioned and masturbation is this, is that masturbation is masturbation and men are not looking for that. Men are looking for intimacy, which means it's not, it's not just a sexual encounter. It's far more than that. It's, I, I'm not looking to have, okay, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm looking for connection. I'm looking for, otherwise I'll stay single for the rest of my life and, and, and so forth. So we, we're looking for intimacy. And, and what Bennett said is very critical in that. See, for me, I, I feel like when... When I feel respected, I feel more intimate. And, and respect obviously is not, for me, it's that attitude of admiration and honor towards me. Like I feel like I'm just, my wife admires me and honors me. And, and it, it makes me want her more. It makes me want to draw closer to her. Whereas when I feel that there is a sense of dishonor and I am not admired, even that sense of connection is lost. And, and, and I don't think sex even matters for me in that moment because I, the closeness is not there, the intimacy is not there. So I think we, I know that a lot of the guys say, you know, sex this, sex that, but I, but I do know a lot of us are not just looking for that sexual encounter. We, we're looking for 
intimacy. We're looking for that sense of honor and admiration uh, from our wives. So great. Can we give them a hand? That was a difficult question to answer in public. I hope it was helpful to you. Um, I, I just, I'm going to give you an opportunity for closing comments. So if there's something that you feel like is on your heart that you want to say that you haven't said, that you feel like is important for male-female relationships and you think will be helpful for the people here, um, I'm going to give you a moment to think and then you can share that. I'll close quickly. I just want to reiterate the point that I said before from Ephesians chapter 5 that we as men, unless we continue to, and this might sound cliche, but, but it's very true, that unless we continue pursuing Jesus, unless we continue seeking uh, him in prayer, we won't be able to love our wives because we don't have the capacity to do that outside of Jesus. And the only way we can do that is when we pursue Jesus more. Uh, and so for me, if, if we don't do that, I see that is a recipe for disaster. I deliberately want to bolt on Mike's point, and that is, and we must continue to pursue our wives. When you get married, you're on grade one in your relationship. You want to matriculate. You want to go to varsity. You want to get a master's degree in knowing your wife and ultimately a PhD and become the world expert and who your wife is and what she is. And how I think I'm at honors level. Well, let Tracy grade you. How's that? <laughs> oh, she's, she's giving you a thumbs up, so good job. Um, Quinn? Just, and, and to carry on from where Bernard was, was that um, when I saw Bernard up here just now, I was like, man, I'm sharing a panel with the Bernard Swanepoel. And, <laughs> and, and really, the, the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, the Lord has um, just looked after me graced me, um, you know, nurtured me into the man that he wants, molded me into the man that he wants me to be, given me examples like Dorian and Bernard and, and Mike and Andrew. And w with that in mind, I have the ability to be a better husband. I have the ability to be a better father. You know, and these things don't get taught, and we all know that. I mean, you don't, you know, you know that switch that goes on when you have a baby, you know, <laughs> like you um, and and that's and I think that ability that um, you know as we as we keep as Mark was saying as Ben was saying as we keep pursuing um, one you know our, our father and then you know and, and by extension you know um, in Jeremiah when they talk about uh, you know about lifting up us you know adding value to our cities we add value to our families and in turn we add value to our communities. I think, you know, one of the greatest challenges facing us as men is the issue of, you know, identity crisis. Uh, I think that, you know, identity does actually, you know, inform performance, you know. One of the things that happened with Jesus Christ before he even started out with his ministry was that, you know, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I think there's a, there's a need to really, you know, to pursue fatherhood or maybe let's say pursue being fathered, yeah. pursue mentorship. I've been graced enough to, you know, to, to have you know, a natural father, but not many people have had that privilege. But I think in this type of setting, you know, we need to be very intentional about fostering those type of things so that we can have proper affirmation because, you know, one of the things that, you know, one of the greatest misconceptions about men is that we're not, we're not really feel us. And, you know, we go through so much pain. There are so many questions that we have. So great. 
I do want to reiterate that point. Thank you for making it, Martin, is that none of us know everything. And I, we're all on a journey to learn and to grow. And the most important thing you can do in your walk with God, in your marriage, as a parent, just as a friend, is that you pursue people who are wiser than you. You pursue an ongoing, growing relationship with God, that you get, that you make use of the structures around you. You get into a connect group. You, you, you invite yourself to people's homes saying, listen, I need to learn from you. You pursue relationships with people that have gone before you and you learn from them. And at the same time, you are accountable to people for how you live so that there's not the secret world but there's a, a world that is open to God, it's open to your friends, it's open to your spouse, that people can speak into. And in so doing, it doesn't matter where you start from, God is going to make it successful. Amen. Thank you, men. Can we give them a hand? In closing, I want, I want to just pray for marriages here. So I know we've prayed for them before, but I want to continue to do that. So everyone who's married, can you just stand up? I would like to pray for you. Father God, we just right now, we just speak into these marriages. We speak life and blessing and wholeness. Lord God, we just trust that there would be continued growth, continued excitement, continued joy in these marriages. Lord God, we ask for fun times. Lord God, we ask for memories that are just filled with delight for them. We ask, Lord God, for constructive engagement and communication, Lord God. We ask for increase and blessing. We ask for whole families and place for children to launch off in strength and in maturity. And all of God's people said amen and amen. And then all of you sitting, Lord, I just pray for all our singles here, Lord God, that they would fight the man or the woman of their dreams, Lord God, that they would become the man or the woman of their dream, of that other person's dreams, Lord God. They would find someone that would sit across from the table from them and their eyes would just light up with delight at the thought of them, Lord God. Father God, we just ask that you would answer the cries of their heart, Lord God, and you would give them you would give them a joyful and delightful future with someone. And all of God's people said, amen and amen and amen.